tonight as we talk about this rest and recovery, you're going to find that even in the professional sports arena, that you're going to find people on the sidelines, and you're going to find people who are resting and people who are recovering. So if you want to write a title tonight, it's, it's Rest and Recovery. And our series is Running Your Race. If you think about the races that we run, you know, we think about a physical race, we think about uh, cars racing, you know, you think about a race in life, there's always a starting line and a finish line, and then the in-between. So depending on what that in-between looks like is how you're going to prepare for that race. If it's a short sprint, you prepare different than how you're going to prepare for a marathon, and you're going to wear different types of shoes for the different types of races. If you're racing in NASCAR and you have 300 laps, that's totally different than going to the drags at, here at Hilo and quarter mile. So it depends on from start to finish what that looks like and how you're going to prepare for that race. Any athlete knows that when there's a start and a finish, what is in between is going to determine how you're going to prepare for that. If you're a boxer and you're going 12 rounds, you're going to prepare for that. If you're an MMA fighter and it's three rounds or five round championship rounds, then you're going to prepare for that. It all depends on what the in-between looks like. Now, here's the problem with life. When we are born, that's our starting line. And when we die, that's our finish line. We have no idea if it's a sprint or a marathon. We, we have no idea how to prepare for the in-between. But here's the best news. God does. God knows how long we're here on this earth. He knows from beginning to end. So if you're thinking about this race in life that you're running and, and what life is supposed to look like, if you're trying to determine how to prepare for life, the best person to determine that is God himself. Now, we go astray every now and then because our eyes get taken off of God and then we start looking at temporary things. We get tempted. We fall away from God. We fall short of his glory. So we we kind of plateau sometimes. And what is amazing about God is he never stops pursuing us for his very best. The reason for that is because God loves us more than we love ourselves. And I'm so glad that there's someone that loves us more than we love ourselves because there are going to be times where we're not going to love ourselves and we're not going to want to pursue the greater things in life. But because God loves us more than we love ourselves... He's able to pull us up from the darkness, the, the muck and the mire, and pull us closer to himself where there's hope and joy and freedom. So tonight, we're going to be looking at a, a, uh, two chapters, actually, in the book of Hebrews. So if you want to turn there, it'll prepare you. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, we're going to be looking at this, this kind of rest that is not about physical rest. Now, we love physical rest. I think some of us here tonight, uh, we rest too much. And we need some, we got to get moving. But some of us love to rest. We love sleep. Like some, how many of you can function on like six hours of sleep and you're okay? Six hours, you're okay. All right. How many of you, you need more than six? Okay, you need like 15, 20. Yeah, okay. For Heidi and I, we're completely different. I can function on four to six. And that's Heidi's nap. Four to six hours is her nap. I can function on 15-minute power naps. Some of you can do that, right? How many 15-minute power nappers we have over here? Right. You can function on that. Yeah, you're doing that right now. Get up. Wake up. Wake up. So we can function in that way. God, God gives us a rest, a physical rest, and we do those things. But when he talks about a spiritual rest, that one is very difficult because it's not like we can, 
go into the Bible for 15 minutes and get a power nap spiritually. We don't, we don't read the Bible for two hours and get like a wake-up call. We don't go to church for four weeks straight and then we're trained spiritually. It's, it's complex because of our spirit. Our spirit is not like our physical body in the context of when we sleep, we got good rest, we recover, we take some vitamins, we eat healthy, we're good to go. Our spirit is, boy, that's a, it's a tricky one because there's no real formula to it. And everybody is going to be different. But even though it's different, even though everyone has a different race to run, there is one common denominator that we all need to start from. Like, this is our foundation. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Ephesians talks about this foundation that that Christ is. He's the cornerstone. No other foundation can be laid than the one that has already been laid in Christ Jesus. So he's our foundation. Now, once he's our foundation, once Jesus is your life, once you've given your life to him, and once you've said, Lord, you are the foundation of my life, it doesn't mean life is going to be simple In fact, it almost seems like life becomes harder because now Jesus puts us on a higher playing field. We're no longer just people who operate in the world and try to do good things. We're now of the kingdom where we represent the king of all kings. Jesus puts us on a higher playing field. When the law says that you shall not sleep with another man's wife, Jesus said if you even think of another man's wife or lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. So Jesus puts us on a higher playing field. He, he, he brings us to such a place, a degree of such a race that we are in a different group, set aside in a different race, a different kind of race than that of the world where people don't know Jesus Christ. We're, we're, we're on a different lane, on a different playing field. It's on a higher standard. That's why it's so difficult to live the Christian life according to the ways of God because we're on a higher playing field. Now, if we can capture that, if we can understand that we're on a higher playing field, then it, it, it will cause us to now separate ourselves from the ways of the world and get on this playing field. You cannot play both. You cannot play both. You cannot dip into the things of the world while saying, but I want to play on this playing field, Lord. No, he says you have to be hot or Cold, don't be lukewarm or I will spit you out of my mouth. In other words, he's saying, you leave a bad taste in my mouth when you try to play both. Now, those are strong words. But the reason why God says that is because he knows that when we're on his playing field, he'll provide everything we need to win this race. But some of us sell short of it and we say, well, it's too hard, so I'm going to go back to this way. And he's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. This is not too hard You're making it hard because you keep looking at that. That's what makes it hard. For the ways of the world and the the ways of death are wide. The road to destruction is wide. But narrow is the road that leads to righteousness. Yes, it is narrow, but nonetheless, it is a road. It is one we travel. It is one that Jesus traveled very well. And all we need to do is follow in his footsteps. So in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3 The Bible is helping us to understand that when there is a faith that we start to live out that is a a lack of faith or an unbelief, then we will never enter into this race that God has for us. We're never going to enter into that, that, 
higher elite playing field. And not that we make ourselves better than anyone else. It's just saying, no, whenever we live this life for Jesus Christ, we, we live at a different standard. Our standard is different. Wherever you work at, as a believer, your standard is different. In other words, the company that you work for, you know all those rules and regulations and all the, all the policies that they have? Yeah, that's your bare minimum as a believer. That's the bare minimum. That's, that's a given. You're getting paid to do that. But as a believer, you're supposed to represent Lord on a higher playing field. So you know customer service? You're not prone to those who come into customer service and give you problems that you can give them problems back. No, you're on a higher playing field. Now you are to represent the king of all kings. When everyone else is saying, ah, forget those guys, you know, do this, do this, do that. You got to rethink and say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm running a different race. God, you are my boss. You're the one who I report to. So I'm going to play on a different playing field. For those of you in school, when you study, you're not studying just to pass a test. You're studying so that you please God. See, we're on a different race, on a different track, on a different lane. It's a different mindset. That's what separates these athletic players that go to, the, go to like uh, all-star games or they're selected for all-star or Pro Bowl. They're, they're, they're at a different level. They think different. They play different. That's who God is calling us to be. See, you're going to see people on the sideline, especially before, if we're talking NFL or even NBA, before important games, if there's a game before that that, that's, you know, that has no meaning to it, they're going to rest their best players, right? They're going to rest them for the next game so they make it to the Super Bowl, the championship. They rest these players so that they can be ready to go. Now, there's you know, controversy on if that's good or not good, but nonetheless, they'll rest them. What the resting does is it prepares them for the future game. But you also have on the same sideline, on the same team, wearing the same jersey, those who are recovering, but they're not resting so that they can play the next game. They're resting because they're recovering from injury. Now, there is a big difference from rest and recovery. Rest is different than recovery. Rest Rest gives you energy for the future. Recovery, you don't know what the future looks like. Doctors can say, oh, it's going to take you six to eight weeks. But you don't know for sure. Rest and recovery have two different aspects to them. They, they have a different heart behind it. And if you look at rest, rest is on purpose. Recovery is the process. And some of us, we're, we rest so that we can do better for God, but many are recovering from some type of injury. And sometimes we get the two mixed up, but we got to be able to differentiate between the two of rest and recovery. For some people, recovery is you got hurt, or maybe you're bitter, or you're angry at someone, or maybe another believer uh, said something horrible to you or, or betrayed you. Maybe you're recovering from uh, something that someone did and now you have unforgiveness and so you're trying to recover from that. Maybe someone hurt you, a relationship or something, and you're trying to recover, but you can't. You're injured. There's something on the inside that you cannot recover from and you've been trying. Maybe you had expectations on someone and they let you down, whatever it could be, but you're trying to recover and you're, you're finding out that it's very difficult and it's different than rest. You know the difference. You feel the difference. And you can tell that there's something on the inside that is just not right. 
See, we run this race with rest and recovery. And if we don't know the difference between the two and how to get out of them or how to get into rest, then we're going to have a very difficult time running the race that God has set before us. See, rest and recovery, we love to rest. But we, we get irritated when we get injured and we have to recover because we're saying, how long is this going to take? Especially if you're competitive, especially if you're an athlete, you don't like recovering, the recovery time, because it drags. See, rest, you can calculate. You can say, I'm going to rest for these next two weeks, and then I'm going to come back on this third week for this certain game or this certain championship game, whatever it is. You can calculate, but recovery may never happen. And for some of us, we've been trying to recover for decades from a hurt, bitterness, jealousy, whatever it is. There's something inside that we've been recovering from, but we don't even know if that will even happen. See, we hope we get better so that we can play the bigger games. You know, there's something I'm learning about this game called golf. That if you make a mistake, on, let's just say on the 13th hole, you make a mistake and you have your coach next to you. Your coach doesn't really care that you made the mistake right there. You know what the coach is going to do? The coach wants to see how you're going to do on the 14th hole. The coach wants to see if you can recover and how quickly you can. There are professional golfers who, one bad, who make one bad shot and they never recover. And they're no longer the same. See, in the same way in our spirit, some of us, we do one wrong thing and we never recover. Someone does something to us, says something to us, something doesn't work out how we want to, we we never recover. And then we try and search for the things of God. We try to make things right. We try to get better at it, but yet we don't let God on the inside to do the hard stuff the heart surgery, you know, the, 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 the areas that we don't want to go into, the areas that we don't want to touch, we don't want no one to see, so we just kind of block it and hide it and we suppress it. Hopefully nobody finds out and God is saying, what are you doing? All you're going to do all your life is recover and you're never going to win this race. You're going to, at best, drag yourself toward the finish line. But that's why Hebrews 12.1 says, let us strip off everything that weighs us, weighs us down, that so easily entangles us so that we can run the race that is set before us. And God gives us a kind of rest that allows us to do that. Some people probably are recovering more than resting. And I hope that we can find this rest. Hebrews chapter 3, I will read from verse 7, and I'll read till chapter 4, verse 13. So it's a, a kind of a, a bunch of scriptures, but just kind of follow along and And if there are things in your Bible that you want to highlight, please highlight that, underline it, uh, you know, write it down. Even take some notes on what the Lord is saying through the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 7, I'll, I'll begin. And it says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, God is talking about when the Israelites were 
in slavery with Egypt. And if you're reading your devotions with us, you're finding out that that's where they are. And now they're enslaved and now they have to be uh, freed. And God is going to free them and rescue them from the, Is- from the Egyptians. So now the Israelites, they should have entered the promised land quickly. But it took them 40 years. And an entire generation died before they entered, except for Caleb and Joshua. Which tells us, you know, if God says something and maybe 2% uh, of the things happen, it's kind of like, hmm, that's kind of odd. But if 99.999% actually happens, like only God says, you shall not enter my rest, but these two shall enter into my promises, that should capture our attention. An entire generation died before they could enter the promised land. Why? Because of disobedience. Because they failed to trust in God and put their faith in Him. That should capture our attention at the same time. So it continues in the book of Hebrews. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, this is why we gather together like this and in small groups, so that we can encourage each other. Tomorrow night we have our small group, and we're going to be going through a seven-week series called Dream Releasers, with Pastor Wayne Cordero's uh, DVD series. And so if you can be here tomorrow night, we're going to begin at 6 o'clock. And it's just a great time for us to encourage each other as long as it is called today. That's why we do what we do, so that we can apply the scriptures because we all need encouragement. We have, in verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. In other words, there's a finish line, but you've got to hang on with this conviction of believing in Christ to the very end. As, as has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Talking about the time where they rebelled against God and they were not able to enter the promised land. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So if we, if we want to look at a couple of things to enter into the rest that God gives, the kind of rest that gives us energy for the future, or the kind of rest that prepares us, or the kind that puts energy into our life, so that we can run this race, then you want to write this down. The first thing is to never live with a heart of unbelief. Never live with a heart of unbelief. When God's word says it, believe it. Just live with a heart that believes in God. Never live with a heart of unbelief. That's what verse 19 says. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So never live with a heart of unbelief. It continues in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, 
So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest... And since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So the second thing we want to remember is never live with a hardened heart. Never live with a hardened heart. Don't let your heart become hardened toward the things of God. Don't let your heart become hardened toward the things that God wants us to become. Don't, don't ever live with a hardened heart. But live with a heart that's moldable, pliable, a heart that says, Lord, make me more like you. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. So never live with a hardened heart or a heart of unbelief. And then it continues in verse 8, chapter 4. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would, have not, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that none will perish by following their example of disobedience. Here's the third thing. Never live with a disobedient heart. Never live with a disobedient heart. Never live with a heart of unbelief. Never live with a hardened heart. And never live with a disobedient heart. See, a disobedient heart is a heart that, that kind of picks and chooses what they want to trust God in, when they want to obey God, or what, 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 is, what feels good to them, even if God says, don't do this. Or if God says, here's, here's who I want you to become. But when we dis and, and, and we disobey God because we fear or maybe we don't, we don't want to do what God has asked us to do. So we live with a disobedient heart. It continues in verse 12, chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and, at, and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Everything is laid bare before God. So that's the good news. We, we're we're on, a, on a higher playing field. We run this race according to the ways of God. We listen to the ways of God. We study his ways. We read the Bible. We do our devotions. We pray to him. We worship him. We come to church to hear scripture, to learn together, to gather together as the saints, to strengthen one another, encourage each other. Why? Because we're, we're on a different race. We don't run the race we used to race before knowing Jesus. Now that we know him, we run this different race, a race that is set before us. Who put that race there? God did. That means we have all we need backing us up. So the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He set this race before us. So we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Why? Because we're on a different playing field. We're no longer of the world. We're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. We're on a new playing field, new set of rules. 
And we have a, a Father who leads us and guides us and will never stray from us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's always there. He's a 24-7 coach who will always be there for us. And he'll always cheer us on. See, we want to enter that kind of rest that gives us energy, the kind of rest that, that prepares us for the future in our life, our marriage, our family, our jobs, our careers. We, we, however God has put this race and set this race for us. And because we're believers, because Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, did you know that even in our race, we are also in this race for evangelism? Where we reach out to people who don't know Jesus Christ so that they can come to know him as Lord and Savior. You're on that race. That's why there are people around you that you know that they don't know God yet. Just by the way they behave, the things they say, maybe the way they live, in whatever way possible. We're not to come into their life and start judging them, but we are to walk alongside of them to show them the way because we live, we're playing on a different playing field. And because of that, we've got to help other people to see that they too have potential and a purpose. So God puts this race in front of us and he says, this is your lane, now run it well. No one else can run your lane, nor can anyone else run your race. So whatever lane God has you in, own it. Own it. You take that lane and you own it. That's the life that God has given to you. Enough of looking back and saying, but this happened in my life. I made that mistake or shucks, I shouldn't have done that or this. That's fine. But here's where you are. You're, you're running forward. Any athlete who has trained well never looks back as they run. They never look back as they run, except for Usain Bolt. Everybody else, they look forward. Well, he can, so he can look beside him. But everybody else, they look forward because they, you're, you're focused. You don't look, be, look behind you. No, you press on toward the goal. So you don't live with this kind of unbelief or a hardened heart or disobedient heart. The book of Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, tells us, but when, when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. See, this, this righteousness that is declared to us is not because we run this race so well. It's because Jesus ran his race so well. And so if you're trying to live a life that's righteous, it's only possible through Jesus because he's declared righteous before God. If you're trying to become righteous before God, too late. Jesus already did that for you. So if you're trying to live a life that's perfect, a life that, that makes no mistakes, that a life that's, that's, that, that represents God so well that if you make a mistake, you feel horrible and that you're not going to come to church anymore. You don't want to see anybody else. You don't want to see another Christian. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear a phone call or anybody that believes in Jesus. You don't want to hear anything because you feel so bad that you made a mistake. Here's the, here's the amazing thing. Jesus already knew we were going to make that mistake and he still died for us on the cross. So if Jesus did that, why can't we be that for each other? 
When someone makes a mistake, you don't have to point it out. They already know they made a mistake. You just come alongside of them, love them, back onto their lane, and let them run their race. You just keep loving them back into the kingdom of God. You know, it was the Jewish leaders that they knew the ways of God, the Pharisees. They knew the ways of God, but they didn't follow his ways the way they were supposed to. They took the law, and they lived in such a way that if people saw them, they looked righteous. It looked like they did the things of God right. In fact, Jesus said it to them. He said, you know, you guys are, you guys tithe, you guys do all the, the things of God, but, but you're empty. Remember what he called them? Whitewashed tombs. You know what whitewashed tombs were? They were the gravestones that they would wash to clean it so that they could be used for the dead. So they're whitewashed, look good on the outside, but full of dead men's bones on the inside. There's no substance. That's, that's how the Pharisees lived. In Matthew chapter 23, this is, this is what, what they did, and this is how Jesus addressed them. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And then he says this, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Now watch how Jesus puts us on a higher standard. You must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. This is what Jesus was addressing. He was saying, Whenever you see a leader not live out how they're supposed to, you yourself don't follow their example and then bail out and say, oh, hypocritical, I'm not going to go to church anymore. No, Jesus says, no, 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 that's not, you don't bail out. You step up to a higher playing field. You don't look at someone else's life and say, oh, because they're not following you, God, I'm out. That's why I don't go to church, because hypocrites. No, he says, that's the very reason you're supposed to plug yourself in. That's the very reason why you're supposed to play on this higher playing field, because you are in an elite group of people. Don't blend in with the rest of the world. When you see the leaders not following my ways, do what they say, but don't do what they do, and you're going to be in a category of your own. You're not going to play the hypocrite card anymore. You're going to play the God I am called by you, life-giving spirit card all the days of my life. Why? Because in your lane, you're the only hypocrite you'll see. No one else belongs there. So why would you want to look in someone else's lane and say, oh, because you're running funny kind, I ain't, I ain't going to run mine. Because you're, because you're running your race wrong, I'm not going to run mine. Why would we do that? But we've done that. And we cut short the glory of God in our very own lives because of someone else. And we call ourselves athletes for God. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather do what Jesus said. That if, they, if you see them doing these things, don't do what they do, but listen to what they're saying. Do what they say, just don't do what they do that you can learn twice as much from those who may not be following God the way they should be. It's not to condemn, it's to learn from. 
We can learn much from each other. Even when we don't run the race well, we can still learn a lot from each other. But I can tell you this, if we keep looking at someone else and we keep bailing out because of someone else, then we miss the entire race altogether because the Bible never says to fix your eyes on someone else because they're the author and perfecter of your faith. Who do they say, what does the Bible say to fix our eyes upon? Fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Why would I want to fix my eyes on someone else? See, for some of us, we've missed rest and recovery altogether because we bailed out. That's the only way you cannot rest or recover is if you're not even in the race. You're no longer in your lane. But God says, you can, you can enter back. Yeah, but I've, I, I messed up. I blew it. Boy, I'm that person. I, I have unforgiveness. I have bitterness. I have anger. I bailed out long ago. I checked out. I just, I just, I'm just trying to find my way back. And we're going we're gonna to close in a moment. I'm going to ask Glenn to come to the keyboard. And God wants, to, God wants to help us to get back in the race. Now, in this year that we're calling the year of change, I don't know about you, but I don't want my excuses anymore. They're done. That's 2016. That's so long time ago. This is 2017. This is a new year. This is a year of change. I'm no longer going to use the same excuses I used to. God's going to give me a new way, a new vision for this new life that he has for me in 2017, the year of change. So if you've stepped outside of your lane, maybe you've been looking at someone else's lane, maybe you've been jealous of someone else's lane, maybe you don't have the right shoes, equipment, or gear, and you're saying, but I don't know how to run this race, so I'm just going to walk this race for a little while. I tell you what, Jesus will walk with you. But I don't have, I don't have the, the, the smarts. I don't, I don't know the Bible yet. I don't, I don't come to church as often. My marriage is not as great as I would want it to be. I don't know. My children are astray. I've done some things. Jesus will walk with you. He'll walk with you. Yeah, but I think my life should have been here at this mark of my life. Jesus said, that's okay. Because I still, has a, I still have a plan and a purpose for your life. That's why he says this in Matthew chapter 8, uh, excuse me, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, through 30. Jesus says this. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, we need to believe God and enter into his rest rather than to refuse to believe and fail to enter his rest as God's people did. And they failed to enter his rest. Come to, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. The book of Psalms, chapter 95, it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. 
Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you will only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath, on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. You know, they couldn't see that God himself was going to become one of us so that we could find rest for our souls. That's why he says, you can come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Here's the, here's the truth of everything. That even though we take his yoke upon us and his burdens are light, it is still nonetheless a burden. But it's a different burden. It's not a burden of sin and weight that so easily entangles us. It's a burden of righteousness, a burden on a different playing field that we live according to his standard, his ways, that he's our redeemer, that he's the one that has redeemed us from our past, from, from our mistakes, even from our rebellion. He says, you can enter my rest. I'd say, let's, let's identify with our redeemer more than rebellion. Amen. You bow your heads for a moment. We're gonna we're gonna pray that we enter in the, into this rest. That we would come to Jesus, Heavenly Father. It's it's our prayer tonight that we come before you. That many of us have been recovering from injury, injury after injury. Maybe our heart has been hurt. Maybe there are things that we have said to our, ourselves that have put us under, under a, a, a title of injured. But you have given us healing, redemptive healing. You've given us rest, the kind of rest that only you can give. That when we rest in your care, in your hands, then we don't live with a heart that's hardened. We don't live with a heart that is unbelieving or a heart that is rebellious or disobedient. But we live with the kind of heart that is after your own heart, a heart that blesses your name, a heart that worships you, a heart that that presses into the things of God, not bails out because of something or someone, but we press into the things of God even more than we did before. So Lord, in this year of 2017, the year of change, change us, make us into the people you see us to be. We're no longer gonna run this race in our life both sides we're not going to run in the, in the ways of the world and then try to run for you. No, we're going to run for you. We're going to run the race that you have set before us. So can you strip off every weight and sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run this race with endurance? For our trust is in you. and We come to you because we are weary and heavy laden. Thank you for giving us the kind of rest that only you can give. It's not a physical rest. It is rest for our souls. Only you can do that. And so we trust in you. We thank you for giving us rest for our soul. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all said together, 
Amen. Thanks be to God that he has given us a way through Jesus Christ.